0: Welcome to What's Up Tybee, I'm Sandy McLeod. I remember a few years ago I was visiting the state of Maine and noticed a bunch of trucks coming in loaded with beehives. It was then I discovered that some states have to import bees because they can't survive in places like Maine because of the cold weather. So each year they ship them in so they can do the pollinating for their delicious blueberries and other good stuff. I've since learned that Georgia is one of the top producing states for honeybee hives and queen bees that are sold in the country. Georgia has more than 500 species of bees, but one of the most productive and important bees anywhere is the honeybee. Besides pollinating crops that make that yummy honey, it leads to a lot of employment. According to researchers with the University of California, a study in 2017 showed the U.S. honey industry is responsible for tens of thousands of jobs and had a total economic output of $4.7 billion into the nation's economy. And Tybee Island has its own hard-working honeybees. Thanks to beekeepers Natalisa and her husband David Strickland, they're out round-the-clock pollinating many of our citrus trees and other beautiful blooming plants. I spoke with Natalisa about their hard-working hives, and we started our chat with the long and winding journey she had to get to Tybee Island.
1: I grew up in a little village about 40 minutes from Morgantown, West Virginia. But I was actually born in Pennsylvania, Green County, a coal mining town. And all of my family was involved in coal mining. It was a, a unique area in that it was actually set up where there was a coal mine. Then we come up the hill. This would have been Officer's Row in the hill they built there. Then you go up to the top and that's the miners. Then you go out about a mile and that's the superintendent's mansion. So it was a very real traditional coal mining town. I lost two like great uncles in that. So it was a real part of my life. Plus it was on the other side of the Appalachian Mountains, So it was very gray there, a lot of grayness. And so I couldn't wait In fact, I graduated a year early, and I was 17, and I left, and I went to the Navy. (laughs) And I spent um, two years in the Navy. I went to Alaska, uh, to the Bering Sea in Adak, Alaska. That was an awesome experience.
0: Natalisa says while she was living in California, she met a family that practiced beekeeping, and their kindness and love led her to learn and appreciate honeybees
1: and much more. I met this beautiful couple, Rob and Beverly Stevenson. I spent a lot of time with him. His degree was entomology. He loved bugs. But because I came from a domestic violence background, I had a hard time connecting to men. I had a lot of fears. He melted them. He just embraced me like a daughter. And he took me under his wing He taught me how to just be strong. And he showed me, look, every single one in here that's working, she's a woman. It's a woman doing it. They're out there getting the honey and bringing it back in. He just kept empowering me over and over with words of kindness. I would get into the hive. I learned everything that I could. I learned how to collect. I learned how to separate the hives, how to multiply them, how to watch for queens when they would get ready to swarm. It was like every chance I had, I was there with them because they were full family and they had so much love from the kids all the way to dad. I was just like one of them and they enveloped me in that way and loved me and uh, so my passion for bees began at literally 21 and it never stopped.
0: Beekeeping is a wonderful way to learn about the wonders of nature and it's also a powerful illustration of the value of cooperating.
1: They're really beautiful when you watch their lives. When you pull out a frame that they live in, you see they're walking all over each other. There's just a harmony that's unbelievable how they work together. They have specific jobs when they're first born in their first 12 days of life. They come out and they're working. They're bringing that wax and then somebody's pushing it into the hive to do the honeycomb. Then from there, they may become nurse bees where they're the ones feeding them until they're capped off. Then there's also when they die in the hive, there's pallbear bees that will literally pull them out and carry them and fly with another one away from the hive. They're very, very sterile. The hive is so clean. They keep the temperature year-round 99 degrees, the same as our body temperature. Honey has all 20 amino acids that our body needs to produce healthy cells. If that isn't enough, it has all the enzymes that shoot those amino acids and make them work. So literally, I say that the hive is God's medicine chest to mankind.
0: I asked Natalie, so what was the most misunderstood thing about bees, and she said it's that many people think bees are just out to
1: sting you. They really are their happiest, just flying around, hitting the flowers. So I can stand in front of my hive And they just fly right around me to get into the hive. Their goal is never to sting. They want to get out there and get their nectar, get the pollen, and do what they need to for their hive to be healthy and strong. So that's one of the biggest misconceptions. Another thing that I would say is kind of misunderstood is that you have to have local honey. That is not true. You have to have raw. Raw honey is what makes the difference. If it's been treated, which most companies that sell it wide scale, because it will crystallize naturally, that's unappealing for it to be sitting on the shelf they heat it up to about 100 to a 10 to 112 is a safe where you might not be killing the amino acids and enzymes, but you're breaking down a lot of the honey. So keeping raw honey, making sure that those guys on the side of the road they're going to be the ones you want to get your honey from because they probably pulled it out of the hive. They strain it to get, you don't want legs or any of those things in there. So there is a little bit of a filtering, but you're getting all the pollen, all the wax, little bit of propolis. You actually get everything in that one teaspoon that you can get to benefit your body eventually
0: natalisa moved back east and ended up in virginia beach that's where she met her husband david through mutual friends it wasn't long before they were married and had added a daughter bean but increasing crime and two uncles helped set a path for them to head toward tybee in 1999
1: we lived right at the oceanfront in virginia beach and we had two elderly couples on either side, and things were changing. There was a lot more gang activity that we had never seen. And one particular night, the couple next door, their grandson, Big burly Marine, really a gentle man, right in front of the house. He was jumped by four guys. All of our neighbors ignored it. In fact, one of them even said to me, My husband didn't want me to get involved. And I was like, I can't raise my daughter here. It was such a different thing than what we had known up to that point. My mom wanted us to move to Atlanta, but we had gone to Dave's cousin's wedding. And when we were there, Dave's Uncle Roland said, you're not going to like Atlanta. It's not for you. You need to go to Tybee. And we're like, what's at Tybee? And he said his Uncle Paul and Uncle Roland had been in the Marines together in Vietnam. They did their tour. When they got out, they took all their money and they bought two crab boats. And that's what they did in 1972. It was not a fun place to be for him though, because they were outsiders. So their crab lines got cut. And he would tell us these stories and he'd laugh, but he was like, when we were going through it, it was tough because when you get to Tybee, they're going to look at you funny. And they're even going to say, how long have you been here? Where are you from? You don't look like us. So he said, but it's the place for you guys. And sure enough, we got to Atlanta and literally I felt like Jonah in the belly of the whale. I was working in nursing at the time, so I got a job immediately. But When we started looking at housing and our lifestyle of bike riding and hiking and being outside and it was like we had to go 20 miles just to get to a bike trail. So literally after three days and all of but $800 and we're like, we can't stay here. And so we just said, let's see where we end up literally, and got on the road. We got to Savannah because we thought we saw the sign for Tybee. And we just thought, okay, we'll stay the night. We drove in. The marsh was full tide and it was a full moon, November 22nd, 1999. And we're driving in and we're like, we're never leaving. This is home.
0: Natalisa and David soon discovered that Tybee would be the right fit for them. Over the years, they moved around the island and lived in various locations, eventually ending up in an old house on the north end of the island in 2008. That's when she started thinking about bees again, especially after noticing something peculiar about Tybee's citrus trees.
1: When we came here, all the trees would bloom, but they'd never fruit. Honeybees love citrus because it has caffeine in it. So buzz buzz is really true because if they have their choice if there's citrus blooming they're going to hit the citrus all day long so what is important to know without honeybees native bees aren't going to be here so as a result of bringing the honeybees onto the island and really beginning to care for them and to allow them to have the freedom to turn our island into every it was meant to be. We decided early on that if we put them on the ground, we're so kind of crowded, we put people at risk to not know, maybe get stung, or to be intimidated. There's this pest that is really destructive to the hive. It has to go into the ground to pupate. It's an African hive beetle. What if I somehow knock that out where it can't get to the ground? We put our hives on the roof. We had a hot tin roof. So I was like, they come out, they're probably going to get burned up. To this day, the African hive beetle in Georgia is rampant. It will take down a hive overnight because they're just a really vicious little beetle. So because of that experiment, here we are. 2008, we started. We've been doing this a long time. The Stricklands decided to turn their passion for bees into a business
0: And they launched Tybee Island hives in 2009 and started selling their honey. Things were going great for years, but that all changed due to some very toxic chemicals that were used to treat an outbreak of fire ants in public places in the spring of 2018.
1: We always knew when something went on with pesticides. First of all, it's very obvious when a bee does have pesticide exposure, their proboscis Just stays out because they're kind of suffocating. When their body has been attacked by a pesticide, it's like they begin to shut down. So we had had many times, um, different things that had happened with the flyovers and, uh, that was a problem. We'd been on the news. It had happened in the morning. So I thought this is really odd that there's so many and I, Kind of put something out there and wow, I got a lot of feedback really quickly. Several people had seen things that they thought didn't seem good, kind of spraying something out over the land. There were no signs posted, which this particular pesticide definitely is not something you want to have kids playing soccer on that next day. When I discovered it, I went to JC Park. I met up with a mom who said, I sat here and I watched a man and I even asked him and he said, oh, there'll be a sign. And he walked away and never even put the sign up. So that day when I walked down and met with that mom to talk, all the kids from Maritime Academy were coming for their field day and all these children were rolling around in that
0: The use of those chemicals at parks could not have happened at a worse time, and the situation led to the devastation of their hives and the loss of their business. But there were some positive things that resulted for them and the community when it was all over.
1: The clover was full-on blooming, so they were hitting both of the parks hard. They were bringing this back, putting it right into the hive, which we saw pupa melting in the hive. It was the collapse of the hive. It took nine days. It was the longest nine days. I had to immediately contact the Department of Agriculture because when you lose a hive like that, they want to know because um, UGA works very closely with bees, protecting them, learning pesticides, a pesticide that could be more friendly they came out immediately as soon as they looked at it they were aware that it was a pesticide but there is a thing that you have to go through nothing was on record until we got the paperwork back so it was all documented and everything and when he left he said you know we can all look at each other and know what happened. And I'm really sorry. And we had already had plans to start over. They were grateful to hear that we weren't going to stop. And we weren't disappointed. We knew we lost a lot of money. It was a business for us at that time, but we didn't care. It was, we need to make changes for everybody here. The Strickland's and other concerned citizens
0: pushed hard to see changes made in the way chemicals were used in public places. And the loss of their hives led them to become more about being ambassadors for bees with a passion to share what they knew about bees with others.
1: We give our honey to anybody who asks, and we share with them. It is a celebration. So uh, the easiest way to reach us would just be on Facebook or Instagram, Instagram. Reach out to Tybee Island Hives. If somebody wants to come by and they can call and say, hey, do you have any honey? If we have it, we give it. We give people an option. We always need jars and if they want to donate, that's great. We'll probably use it to spend on jars, but we don't, it's not a business. So we want people to get it and have that option. But if they want to come and see the hive, we have a hive on the ground now that it actually opens up so they can safely, it opens up from the back and they can watch safely what's going on and see the things, how the hive is set up and just get that experience of what it actually looks like. One family called, they had like, oh gosh, there might've been 23 people in our backyard hanging out, looking at the bees and it was just awesome. You know, they got, they asked whatever questions. Two of them were interested in they're in the DC area. They had never thought about rooftop beekeeping. They were really excited because Being so close to people, it gave them an option. Now, they could put it on a roof. Yeah, we just want to be servants to Tybee, to let people know the beautiful things that are happening, the love and the harmony. And when they say, I love Tybee, it's because this is a land of healing, done great things for me. And I feel every day I'm so privileged And so the biggest message that we want is people to see the bees and and begin to notice them when they're out walking around. So we just get that message out. You can
0: also stop by and say hi to Natalisa and David every Monday, 4 to 7, at the Tyvee Farmers Market at the Lighthouse. Besides talking bees, you can purchase some of their beautiful handmade stained glass art. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of What's Up Tyvee. I'm Sandy McLeod, your host, writer, and producer of this podcast. And a quick plug, professionally, I'd love to help you if you'd like to buy or sell property in the area. With over 20 years in the business, I'm an associate broker with Century 21 Fox Properties. Hope to see you next time. Until then, no matter what. No matter where you are if you want to be happier live your life like your own tidy time